Welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. Are you ready to get into it? So we are in a series called, What Do You Believe? Or What Do We Believe? We're examining for the entire year, what do we actually believe? What do we believe about the words in the Bible? What do we believe about who we are? And today we're going a little bit on the deep side, meaning I'm gonna need your focus because I think what we have here in the scripture uh, is gonna challenge you a little bit. Uh, And I'm going to go in a direction that you wouldn't necessarily expect me to go because we're talking about what do you believe about what you speak? What do you believe about the words that come out of your mouth? What does the believer believe is um, his tongue and the value of the words that we're saying? And I'm going to start with this scripture in John 6, 63. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Now watch. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So I want you to overlook that phrase. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What is he saying? What's the point he's making? You have to go back into John chapter six and you have to look at the conversation that's going on. You gotta take this in context of why would he say that? So let's go back and talk about what's happening in John chapter six is the Pharisees are rejecting him because of something he said. In John 6, 41, let's read that. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him, that's Jesus, because he, Jesus, said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Then he further explains in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, Jesus is saying, I am the bread, this bread, Jesus, which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread himself, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. So we know when you look at this in an overall picture, what he was saying is that he's about to pour out his body and his blood for us to give us life. But have you ever had somebody say something that's a little odd and a little weird and they keep talking and it just makes things worse? It just makes it a little weirder? Well, he goes on. Then the Jews begin to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus goes on and he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he just keeps driving it home, abides in me, and I am him, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now he's comparing himself to 
to the bread that was given to the Hebrew nation in the desert. He's saying, do you remember when they had bread? They had manna every morning and they could go out and eat that and that sustained them. It kept them alive. I'm like that bread. So you got to eat of me. And now the Pharisees are completely in a tailspin. They have no clue what this guy is talking about. It's just gotten weird. We're supposed to eat your flesh and drink your blood, buddy. That's gross. It's weird. And we don't know what you're doing. But what are they missing? He's not talking about his actual flesh. He is speaking words that have a spiritual meaning in the spiritual realm. And sadly enough, even some of his disciples who are following him saying, this is too hard to understand, we are out. And they leave and they don't follow him anymore. But I wanna go back to that scripture we started with. It is the spirit who gives life and the flesh profit nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But I got you, you gotta notice something when you read it. When you read it, it says the Holy Spirit gives life. You'll notice that S is capital when it says spirit. It is the spirit, Holy Spirit, who gives life. Then he says the words that I have spoken to you are spirit, not Holy Spirit, spirit. They are in the spiritual realm and they are life. But now he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. They are words in the spirit. So he's saying that I'm talking to you in the spiritual realm about how to have life. The Holy Spirit gives life. Once I, the bread of life, give up my blood and my body, my body for healing, my blood for redemption, then the Holy Spirit comes and you can have eternal life. He is teaching them that he has been sent from heaven just like the bread in the desert to come and give himself up, his body up and his blood so that they can have eternal life being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life, but you have to partake of me for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you. But there's a lesson here about our words that I want to show you today. The words he just said were spoken in the physical, but they were spiritual words. The Pharisees heard them in the physical but they were actually spiritual words. He said, the blood and the bread, that is uh, the blood and the body, my blood and flesh, which are physical things, but what he's actually talking about is the spiritual realm and salvation. So I don't want you to miss this. Physical words he spoke were to be interpreted in the spirit. Physical words that he spoke were to be listened to and interpreted in the spiritual realm. Hear me out. Jesus said, you got to eat of my body and drink of my blood to live because he was talking about the spiritual significance of his death. So how does this apply to you and me? What, what would that mean for you and me? We must learn that the physical words we say also speak in the spiritual realm. These two realms are tied together by the words that we speak. I'm gonna show this to you, so hang in there with me. But by our words, the physical and the spiritual realm are brought together. And I want you to hear me out so you don't go out of here and post on Facebook. I'm not a name it, claim it person. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting today that we speak things into existence. God created things with his words and I can call those things that he created into my life. Mm, Stay with me. Once we are alive in the spirit, our physical words create in the spiritual realm. Once the Holy Spirit has come and regenerated and brought to life my spirit and indwelled there, when I speak in the physical, now I'm also speaking in the spiritual realm. I'm gonna show this to you. It won't be weird, I promise. What I'm suggesting today is the Bible makes clear that our words run parallel in the physical and in the spiritual realm. In other words, the words we speak don't just affect things physically, they have power to affect things spiritually. I wanna give you an example that's not exactly what I'm talking about, but hopefully will open your mind to where we're going. It's like when a father says to his son, You are so stupid, I could just kill you. And he has said something in the physical, but what just happened in the emotional to his son? His son now felt unloved, felt disconnected, felt stupid. All of a sudden, I've got something going on in the emotional realm that was contributed to by what was said in the physical realm. So now the emotional realm and the physical realm have both been affected by what was said. Are you with me? All right, it's the same with the physical and the spiritual realm when we speak, they are connected. That's a bold statement, but I wanna show you in the Bible where you can see examples of that. We're gonna go first to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, 33. This example, very, very simple, 33. Either make a tree good and its fruit good or make a tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. What are we talking about? Trees and fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil, talking to the Pharisees, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of what fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you, watch this, it'll scare you, it did me. I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. Now, listen, I could do a sermon series on what I just read to you there. There's a lot to unpack here, but this scripture just said, every careless word that we physically speak has consequences in the day of judgment. In the day of judgment, the physical realm is over. Are you hearing me? We said something in the physical, but now we're in the spiritual realm, they get brought back together. Yet what we said in the physical realm now has an effect on the eternal realm. Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you, every careless word that people speak, there should be given accounting for it in the day of judgment. Why would I be held accountable for careless words that I speak? I just want you to think as a human with me. It was careless. I was just flipping something out there. I just did that carelessly. So why in the world would he decide to hold me accountable in the eternal judgment for the careless words that I spoke? I mean, who cares? God knows they were spoken carelessly. Why? Because everything you say has power. 
Everything you say has power. Words have power and there's an accountability for what we say, even the things that we say carelessly. Now chill, we're gonna get to a place where you're gonna be okay. You're thinking, oh, what I said to my wife this morning, oh my goodness. I didn't mean she looked big in that. Okay. Not my wife. I didn't say that to my wife. Did I say that to you this morning? I did not say that to you. But I wanna show you the connection between what we speak and what can happen in the spiritual realm. And by the way, hear me out. We're about to go a little bit deeper. What is said in the spiritual realm affects the physical realm. The converse is true. It goes both ways. These two things are connected by words. Let's look at a biblical example that you may not have thought of before. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Zacharias. Zacharias is the father of John the Baptist. Are you with me? Look what happens to Zacharias. He's going to be one day the father of John the Baptist. And in uh, Luke 1.13, it says, but an angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. These are words being spoken from the spiritual. For your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you will give him the name John. Go down to verse 18. Zacharias says to the angel, Talking to the angel, he says, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I've been sent here to speak to you and bring this good news to you. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. What did the angel just say to, uh, to Zacharias? You will not be able to use your words. You will not be able to speak because you doubted. You did not believe what was said to you. Therefore, I'm gonna shut your mouth. Watch, 59. And it will happen on the eighth day that came about to circumcise the child. Now John's been born. And they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But the mother answered, said, no, indeed, he should be called John. And they said to her, there's nobody among your relatives that like that name. Why would you use that? And they made signs to the father, Zacharias, and said, what do you want him to be called? And he asked for a tablet because he can't speak. He asked for a tablet and he wrote down as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak and praise God. Watch this. Why was Zacharias' mouth shut? Because he did not believe. But I want you to think this through with me because when you stop and look at this and think about what's happening, what was the angel doing by preventing the shutting of the mouth of Zacharias? He did not want spoken words of unbelief. Uh, in other words, the angel did not want Zacharias to speak out things of unbelief. You may not be getting this yet. Could Zacharias still have unbelief even though he couldn't speak? 
Why didn't the angel address his unbelief? Why did he shut his mouth? Because he could have gone through that entire pregnancy still in unbelief in his mind, even though his mouth is shut. Then what was the purpose of keeping him from speaking? It was because what he speaks out can have an effect on what would happen in the spiritual realm. Oh, stay with me. The angel was protecting John the Baptist by preventing words of unbelief from being spoken by his father until he was physically born. An incredible demonstration of what spoken unbelief can result in. That God would say, I'm not going to let you release those words from your mouth. So I'm gonna shut your mouth until this child is born. Go to Proverbs 8, 21. This is what we all know, and this is what you thought I was gonna preach on. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and all those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love what? What is the it that he's referring to that if you love it, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and if you love it, you'll eat its fruit. You have to go back to the verse before, Proverbs 18, 20. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. What is the product of my lips? It's what I speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, will eat its fruit. The product of my lips is the it that I would love. Speech and words are what a man's mouth produces. So a man that loves his speech will be satisfied with the words he speaks. He'll be satisfied by the words he speaks. What does that mean? If you recognize the power of your words, you can be satisfied by the words that you speak. I'll say it one more time. Those who understand the power of what they say can use what they say with power. What did he say? You want a satisfied life? It has to do with what comes out of your mouth. That's the fruit. What you produce with your lips is what you're going to be satisfied by, good or bad, life or death. Whatever comes out is satisfying that life or death need in your life. So once you recognize the power of what's coming out of your mouth, you can begin to use those words for power and for life and for death to the things that you don't want in your life. That was, that was deep. That was, I'm telling you, you're going to go home and you're going to think, oh yeah, I get it. Let me say it another way. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Paul is giving the instructions to the church on how to conduct proper ministry during a church service. One of the greatest debated chapters between the charismatics and the fundamentalist right here. Paul is gonna give some instruction on how it should be done if you're in a church service. But please don't miss this because I had for years. In 29, let two or three prophets speak. When you're in a church service, let two or three prophets speak and let the others, the other prophets, let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. But the spirits, watch this, small s, 
not capital S, not the Holy Spirit, the spirits of the prophet, the spirit that's operating, the spirit of man, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, the whole of a man, his body, his soul, and his spirit. He's talking about the spirit of the man who is in a prophetic realm. The spirit of the prophet, they are subject to prophets. For God's not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So what we know this means in the world of understanding how to use the prophetic in a service is that if someone wants to speak prophetically in a service, it needs to be measured by another prophetic person. In other words, what we do here is if you got a word that you believe God wants you to release today and it's prophetic, you're going to come over here to the leaders of our prophetic community and say, I believe this God word God wants to be released today. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, I'm in agreement with you. In the spirit, I feel like this is a word that needs to be released. Let's do it. Or they're going to say, you know, that's an amazing word and it is of God, but it's not for this time. It's for another situation. It's for another way we use it. Prophets measure prophets. Do you realize this is the only ministry gifting in scripture that says what is said must be confirmed by someone else who works in that gifting? And you say, well, what about tongues? Tongues is the interpretation of what was said. But prophetically, if something gets spoken out, God is saying that needs to be measured by someone else who hears me, someone else who hears in the spirit, someone else who would know what is prophetic. In other words, the spoken word of God is so important that if it is spoken out, we need to confirm that it's being spoken out correctly. I'll get some emails, but I'm okay with that. Why? Why would a word of God need to be measured prophetically by another prophetic person? Listen to me. Because prophetic word, it speaks of a future event. It pronounces a destiny. It decrees and declares things into motion. Church, words we say have value in the spiritual realm. They predetermine where things will go in the physical realm. This should have been like five sermons. Everybody's looking at me like that. A prophetic word is about a destiny, a purpose, a future, and it is being spoken out. So it is setting things in motion. And God is saying, if you're going to set things in motion going forward, let's make sure you're headed in the right direction. Let's measure that to make sure it's going. Why? Because that prophetic word is going to predetermine where things will go in the physical realm. I believe God has a call on your life. I believe that call is for you to pastor a church. He's telling me to tell you to get ready. You need more training. You need to surround yourself with senior people. He's got a destiny and a purpose for you. Is that right? Am I telling this guy right? Because his whole future is about to change. He could go sign up for seminary. Uh, he could start good gathering people around. Is that a right word or not? Okay, so we're setting a future. Oh, let me show it to you. James actually makes this clear. And if you don't know James in the Bible, he's awesome. James is awesome because he's 152% practical. He's just gonna tell you like it is. James 3, 3. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Put a bit in a horse's mouth, the horse goes where the bit goes. Look at ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Every word in scripture for a reason. So 
also the tongue. What did he just say? The tongue is just like the bit in a horse's mouth. The tongue is just like the rudder on a ship. So also the tongue. It's a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things. The horse and the ship are directed by the bit and the runner. They go where the bit and the rudder direct them to go. The horse and the ship go in the direction that the rudder or the bit tell them to go. So also is the tongue. Why is James saying that it's small, but it gives direction to the body? Why is he saying that the tongue can do great things? Why is James saying that the tongue speaks and the body goes? Now ask yourself this question. Why did he say it's the tongue and not the mind or the soul? Because it seems to me I'm directed by what I think. I go wherever I think. I think I should do this, so I, had that. I think I should say this, so I say this. But James doesn't say it's directed by what you think or your mind or your soul. He says it's directed by your tongue. Wouldn't it make sense that it would be the where we think where we go? Why would he need to say that speaking it is so important? He's saying that what you release into the environment, what you release into the physical, what you release with your words is setting a destiny and a purpose and a future every Everything. So don't say things carelessly because you're setting a future direction. This is clearly saying that your future direction will be determined by what you speak. Here's your Facebook post. Your tongue is the navigator of your journey. Your tongue is the navigator of your journey. James says it straight up. Where the bit goes, the horse goes. Where your tongue goes, what you speak, that's where you're going. I believe that one of the foundations of the importance of speaking, maybe you haven't thought about this, is that Satan can hear you when you speak. We have no scripture that represents that Satan would know what we're thinking. But when we speak, he knows our path. He knows our destiny. He sees where we're going. Oh. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You in this room, uh, and I'm gonna guess, Graciano, how are you, buddy? <laughs> hey. Come on. Hey, hey. Graciano is one of our elders here and a great man of God yeah. going through a testimony. But listen to me, Graciano, how old are you? 76. So this is what I can tell you. Graciano has been dealing with Satan for 76 years. And I'm going to say, legitimately, we don't even figure it out till we're probably eight or 10 years old. So let's, let's take that back to 70. For 70 years, Graciano has been studying, discerning, and listening and learning about Satan. Now, I want you to hear me out. Satan has been dealing with people for 6,000 years. What do I mean by that? 
I mean, he sees what God is doing. He sees the setup. He sees the arrangement. He sees the plan. I know why God brought that person to revive because he's gonna implant or impart in him this and then he's gonna go out and use him for something. So I'm gonna come across this guy and I'm gonna attack him. I'm gonna try to shut him down from going there. I'm gonna, and, and so what happens is we're dealing with a very limited amount of experience and Satan has plenty. So our words become very important. I promise you, you'll get this. When we speak things out, the entire spiritual realm, including Satan, hears what we say and knows that's the direction we're going. In other words, what you speak out physically affects things in the spiritual realm. How does that play out for most Christians? We set the direction of our life based on the words we say. Here's the kind of things we say. I'm addicted to pornography. How about this one? Hi, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. How about this one? You know, I'm never gonna be good enough to be used by God. I can't minister to people. I really struggle to read the Bible. I'll probably die of a heart attack one day. And no matter how hard I try, I just can't lose weight. Careless words spoken out about our destiny and our future. We're following those words, the direction we're taking. And if we're gonna declare that and speak that out, then you don't think the enemy is gonna set a path right to where we spoke? No offense, but all of those statements I just made are careless words. How do I know that? Because they don't line up with the word of God. And one of two things, or two things are gonna result. You will go where your speech leads you and God will hold you accountable for having said it. So Paul says this, focus on speaking life Jesus said, the words that I speak are in the spiritual realm and they bring life. Paul says in Corinthians 14, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to men, but to God, for no one really understands. But in the spirit, he's speaking mysteries. But... But the one who prophesies, prophecy, the word implanted by God to impart with your speech, the one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, for their exhortation, and for their consolation. We speak things that build up. We speak things that bring life. We don't carelessly talk about other people. You know what that's called? Gossip and slander. That's using the tongue to speak death. But he says, speak life. Speak life with your words because you're gonna follow your words. Have you ever met somebody that was just negative and everything they say is negative? You know why they're negative? Because everything they say is negative. Look at it this way. And I'm learning this more and more and more in my walk. We as humans take this really myopic view of death. 
We believe that death is when I stop breathing and they put me in a casket in the ground. That's death. That's not death in the Bible. Death in the Bible is Satan's domain. It's where he operates. You get transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and life. So I look at scripture now and I say, is that life or is that death? Because everything in death is in Satan's domain and everything in life is in Jesus's domain. And and when I'm speaking in death, I'm using criticism and slander and gossip and lies and discouragement and angry outburst. And I'm doing it, listen to me, to prevent life. But when I speak life, I use encouragement and edification and prophecy and tongues and wisdom to prevent death. And when you recognize that the power of life and death are in the tongue, you will be satisfied with the words you speak. Stand to your feet, please. I'm gonna ask my altar ministers to come forward. Maybe today, maybe today is a moment of confession and repentance. Maybe today, the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now that you use your words to tear people down. You use your words to speak death in your own life. You use your words to tell the enemy, go ahead and take me out, go ahead and drag me down, go ahead and take me where I'm confessing. And maybe today you wanna recognize it's time to change my tongue to an instrument of life in my life and in the life of others. Maybe careless words come to an end today and we watch what we say and we recognize that it has power and we know that when we release it in the physical, it is paralleled in the spiritual. So I gotta be careful what I say. I'm not talking around, talk about walking around worried about everything you say. I'm saying be purposeful with your words. Speak life into your life. Speak it into your friend's life. Speak it into your church. Speak it into the situations. Don't let the enemy get your tongue to drag you into the kingdom of death. Father God, in the name of Jesus, this morning we just declare we're yours. And this instrument you have given us called the tongue, the mouth, our speech, is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool and we use it carelessly. Help us, Lord, to consider our words and begin to speak life destinies over ourselves, life destinies over others. Let us recognize the power of our words in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're really excited that Pastor Todd has released his first book of 2023, Love Never Lies. He shares with us how Jesus loves us, but he always tells us the truth about sin and righteousness and how we should act in this world. The world wants to tell us what the Bible says about these things and how our understanding is unloving, even hateful. But we must look for ourselves at the Bible and at Jesus and see that Jesus loves everyone but he never compromises on truth. This new book is very relevant to all Christians in today's crazy times. Love Never Lies is available on Amazon now. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. 
If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.